It was, uh, it was a great privilege to speak to uh, a convention of pastors that comprised of about 700 churches. And so when you speak to a lot of leaders, you're speaking to a lot of influencers. You're speaking to a lot of people who represent some of their congregations are as small as 100, some are as large as three or 4,000. And combined, there's a lot of, lot of responsibility when you speak. And I realized uh, as I was talking to the man that is over that convention, he was a man that uh, was in my church when I pastored in Ohio, and God has uh, raised him up. Uh, you know, we discipled and mentored him, and now he's leading this, uh, this convention there. And as we were driving, he made this comment. He said, you know, I really miss pastoring because he pastored for a short time. I miss being involved in people's lives. And I said, you know, when you say that, it just is a great reminder to me of how great a time it is to be uh, a pastor and to be in the lives of your life. And this past week, we prayed with, uh, with a family, a couple of families actually, who are facing some, some health issues. And just to be there in those good times and those tough times and, and to be a shepherd and to be a pastor, I just want to thank you for the privilege of serving uh, as your pastor. And it was a great reminder for me when I was away uh, speaking to hear that pastoral call just loud and true in our heart. And I look forward to how God is just going to weave us together in even greater ways in the days ahead. Well, as we're on a journey, and Tammy kind of gave it away a little bit, I'm in the last chapter of the book of Exodus. Now, we didn't cover every single verse, because if we did, it would indeed be 40 years before we got out of the book of Exodus. So this is our 43rd message out of the book of Exodus, and we didn't even start in chapter 1. We started in chapter 12. So it's it's been quite a journey, and I want to just remind you of some of this wilderness stuff we've been talking about. Here's the first one. And by the way, this line does not go away because we get out of the book of Exodus. It has become a tagline for us, a tagline that says, you can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. Next week, I'm going to share with you a miracle that's taking place in Abu Dhabi in our church there. And it actually is going to probably just rattle your world when you hear about some things that are happening there. So be here next week uh, and be at uh, El Rancho early for that, uh, that service, but you're going to be excited to hear the miracle that God is doing over there. Here's the second thing. The scenery changes, but the journey continues. We've been now in our fourth location. We're operating now three different campuses and, uh, and two uh, external, one international and one in Big Bear. And we give a shout-out to the churches that are gathering and also the people, the 300-plus people that watch us on live stream every week. So we have probably somewhere around 1,000-plus people that are just engaged outside of this body itself. And so God is really doing some great things in, in 12 months. But remember, 12-month-old... You know, you kind of learn to walk, and you're kind of starting to learn how to give up the bottle, and you're learning how to talk, you're doing all those things. So we are a fledgling church, a new church, and our scenery has changed a lot. It's changed a lot from that little living room we began in just a year ago to go to that that office center and then to the school and now here, and now we're going to be moving again, and we're excited about it. But as we think about the book of Exodus, remember, the book of Exodus is a book of redemption. It's about being rescued out of what is bringing you down. If you live in this world, something will bring you down. If you're up today, get ready. You're probably going to get shot at tomorrow. And that's not to discourage you. It's just reality. 
But I want you to know Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And the power of God in you is greater than all the adversity you're ever going to face. So trust God. Know that God is a redemptive God. And God is a God who takes all your past. He washes it away. He gives you a new start in life. And he loves you just the way you are. You might have a lot of guilt right now about something. You know what? Give it to God. He knows exactly what to do with it. You have sin right now in your life you're dealing with. Give it to God. He knows exactly what to do with it. Well, let's look at Exodus chapter 40 and verses 34 through 38. And uh, I'll begin reading with these words. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle. Remember, the tabernacle was that tent that they met in. There, where God's glory would come down and His presence would be known and the Holy of Holies was in there. And it says here, this cloud that guided them during the day, it says that it covered the tent of meeting or the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward on their journey. So imagine this. This cloud would fall. It was the glory cloud of God. And it would come down. And it was as if God said, Stop and enjoy my presence. Stop and bathe in my power. You see, sometimes God wants you to do that, doesn't He? We're, we're busy. We're always wanting to run. God says, No, stop. And when I lift the cloud, doesn't mean my presence is left. It just means that it's now you can move. So we have to have a good balance of movement and enjoying the presence and the glory of God. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and the fire was above it by night. And that's really an interesting thought. Don't lose that one. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. I want to talk to you first about the seal of God's approval. Do you know that when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, what he does, he puts his seal on you. The Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that's the guarantee of our inheritance. So God puts his seal on you and he says, you're special and you're mine and I love you and I'm going to be with you. Let's look at the glory first of all. It says in verse 34, the glory cloud covered the tabernacle of the meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, if we were in dialogue with some rabbis, some Orthodox rabbis, and we asked them to tell us, what is that glory, what does that mean that comes down, they would refer to it in this term. It is the Shekinah. It is the Shekinah. It is the presence of God. It is, they would say, and I'm quoting now from a rabbi, the divine eternal word, though not yet made flesh. Yet as a prelude to the event when God will one day come and dwell among us. While not acknowledging it was Jesus, they acknowledge that the Shekinah is the presence of God manifest in some way, though not yet made flesh, dwelling among us. Is it any wonder that Jesus said these words in John 1.14, and the Word became flesh. The Shekinah, the divine presence of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of spirit and full of truth. So the glory is part of God's approval. God, God coming on your life and God's presence in your life is saying, I love you. 
And then there is His Spirit. You see, when you become a Christian, you don't just believe new things. You are possessed by God. God comes to dwell in you and to live in you, and in living in you, He wants to redecorate the inside of your life. He wants to begin to move things around that don't belong. He wants to correct things that are wrong in your life so that you can live joyful life. It says in Ephesians 1 in verses 13 and 14, in whom you have also trusted. See, that's how you become a Christian. You trust Jesus. In whom you have also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, no one ever comes to God apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one's ever saved apart from God uh, coming to them and them receiving God's truth in their life. And it says, in whom you have also believed. And look at this. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? Once God puts a seal on you, he doesn't unseal you. Once you're a Christian, you don't cease to become a Christian. You see, you are not your own. God bought you with a price, and you are now his, and he is going to be the Lord of your life. It says, which is the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Do you know the fact that you have the Holy Spirit is the promise that God has an inheritance for you in eternity? That it doesn't just, you know, people say, well, I don't know, heaven doesn't sound that great to me. I hear guys say this all the time. I mean, I think because they think there's no sports, there's no hunting, fishing, fast cars, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. It's going to be like sitting around with harps strumming all day long. If that's it, I'm going to be bored out of my mind too. But the Bible says it's more than that. We have an inheritance. We have a responsibility. And God is going to give to us a greater responsibility than we have here. You see, there's something wrong with a theology that says that going there is going to be less fulfilling than living here. It's going to be more fulfilling, more enriching, filled with purpose on a daily basis, enriched in the presence of God all day long. The guarantee of our inheritance is until we require, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You know, God is a mysterious God, is he not? And Tammy alluded to the, the series, The Bible, and I was caught by one of the headlines by Mark Burnett in Entertainment Weekly, and I want to put it up here and let you see it. Burnett says, weird things happen on the Bible set. I pulled just one of those out of Entertainment Weekly. This is not out of the Bible Journal. This is out, not out of the Jerusalem Gazette. This is out of Entertainment Weekly. And I just quoted from it. Here's what he said. A mighty desert wind. There is a scene in the show with Jesus and Nicodemus. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night, it is a very still night, not a breath of wind, and we're on the edge of the Sahara Desert in a palm grove in an oasis. And Jesus, the actor, says... The Holy Spirit is like a wind. At that moment, a wind, like as if a 747 was taking off, blew his hair, almost blew the set over, and sustained for 20 seconds across the desert, and the actors didn't break. They kept going, and everything stopped. Everyone just looked, and everyone like said, what just happened? Now you say, well, that's a coincidence. I love divine coincidences. Because the timing is so perfect. God says, you know, I think I'll just give you a coincidence. I'll wait till you say the Spirit is like a wind, and then I'll just blow a wind up strong enough to blow your sets over. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how smart 
know how dumb smart people can be. You know, like people say, well, they didn't really cross the Red Sea, they crossed the Reed Sea, and it was only six inches of water. And they go, that's a greater miracle. They go, what do you mean a greater miracle? Then that means all those Egyptians drowned in six inches of water. (laughs) Amen? I love divine miracles. Speaking of that miracle, it's also another miracle that after they drowned in six inches of water, God took all those chariot wheels and he moved it over into the deep part of the Red Sea and they've been found now by uh, excavation that's gone down underwater and found the chariot wheels from the Egyptian era. Is this just a miracle of coincidences that God does? I love God. I want you to also see the fulfillment of God's promise. Exodus chapter 29. Remember, here's what God does. God will tell you something that's going to happen. God will promise something to you in his word. And there may, it may happen quickly, and it may take a lifetime for the, you to see the fulfillment of that. You see, faith is not walking by sight, right? It's walking by what? Faith. You don't just go around and say, well, I just, as soon as God shows it to me, I'm going to believe it. Well, that's not faith. That's somehow woven in some kind of a spiritual scientific method into your life. No, no. What you do is you say, God said it, I'm going to believe it, and I'll wait for it and see what God does. So here is a promise God made back in Exodus chapter 29. He said, and there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified, that means made holy, by my glory. So God says, my glory, my presence, the Shekinah presence of God is going to make you holy. Do you know what happens when you get in the presence of God? You don't want to act like you anymore. Have you ever noticed that? You get out of the presence of God and you want to act like you. In fact, you even justify you and you even think you are right. I mean, there are many times when Tammy and I are in a dialogue, uh, you know, know, and, and I know I'm right. She just doesn't know it yet. And you know, man, what I'm talking about, right? Because rarely are we ever wrong, amen? And my wife sometimes will be in a dollar. She knows she's right and she's convinced I'm wrong. She even gives me that look. That look like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. In time, you'll come to your senses look. Well, here's one thing I do know. God is always right. When I get in his presence, I see things from his perspective. I have to stay in his presence or, you know what? I try to be right. And you can be right, dead right, dead right. And that doesn't do you any good. It says, so, by my glory, so I will consecrate the tabernacle of the meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. You know what God does? God will give you a little insight. God will teach you something. And then what he'll do is he'll wait. And he'll start blessing you. And you'll be like the fish in the aquarium. You don't even realize all the blessings that are going on in your life. And all of a sudden you get back and go, remember what I promised you? And you look back and go, oh my gosh, look what God has done. I had no idea. Don't let circumstances hinder you. Take a stand and choose to be an overcomer rather than to be overcome in your life. Return to the place when you first heard the promise. Go back to that time when you heard his voice and renew your commitment to what the Lord has done. 
Ask yourself now, what is weighing me down? What discourages me? What has taken my passion? Go back to that place spiritually where God spoke to you. It might have been last week. It might have been 20 years ago. But go back to that place and say, God, I want to go back to the place and I want you to bring back to me the passion and the love that I had for you in my heart. Take the things back that the enemy is trying to steal from you. He's trying to steal joy from you. Take it back. Say, that's not yours. That's mine. Take it back. When I was a little kid, I had a fire engine my dad bought me. And it was a cool little fire engine. It had the little ladder thing on it. It had the car in the back, the extra wheel thing. And uh, it showed up missing. And I couldn't find out where I did it. What I did with it, Mom, where did you put me? No, I didn't have the fire engine. I looked everywhere. And about a week later, I was down at my buddy's house, and he was showing me his new fire engine, which looks suspiciously like my fire engine. And I said, I have a fire engine just like that. Oh, really, he said. And he said, well, this is my fire engine. I said, well, I put my name on the bottom of my fire engine. And he got a sheepish look on his face. He had my fire engine. You think I didn't take it back? I picked it up. I showed him my name. And he said, I put that on there because you're my best friend. (laughs) Little liar. I picked up that fire engine and I started pulling on I'm taking it back. And he's fighting me all the way. And I'm pulling on it and I'm afraid I'm going to break it and pull it in half. Of course, he doesn't care because it's not his fire engine. And I'm pulling on the fire engine and finally he lets go and falls down. And I start laughing and he starts crying. I took it back. Let me tell you something. Satan has taken your fire engine. And he's got a hold of it. And your name is on it, that your name is on your life and on your stuff, on your joy, on your power, on your passion. In the name of Jesus, take it back. But don't expect it's going to be easy. He's going to hold on to it. It's going to be the fight of your life. But if you will take it back, it'll be worth it all the way. Take it back in the name of Jesus. For me, I go back to to February 12, 2012. And it was there that night that God made a promise. God said, I'm going to birth a church called Influence starting tonight. And then when I go through the journey and I think about all the times where it was just hard and we worked hard and we, you know, we're moving like gypsies every week, it felt like there for a while and setting up chairs and taking them down. And I just, all those things, I have to go back to that place because I know God spoke. I heard him clearly speak. It was the night he birthed the church. It was there that night that God did something. So whenever I doubt, I go back to that time. I go back to that place and I remember. I still remember the words and faces of many people who spoke to me afterwards and made a commitment to serve and give and establish the church. People whose word was their bond and they said, we're going to do this. We believe God led us into this. And as I look out, I see your faces and I remember words that were spoken on that very first night. And I could just go through a list and I could call out names one after another right now. Little did I know, a guy would walk up to me and said, I'm an architect. Here's my card. I didn't know Robert. And yesterday, we just, he just delivered the, the plans, the finished plans with a couple of tweaks we have to make for our new building. I didn't know that. I remember when Craig came up to me and said, I can help you with media. And I said, have you ever done this before? And then he gave me his resume kind of verbally. Yeah, I've done this. And I said, I think you're due. 
more than do. Sean came up to me and said, are you going to take an offering? I said, I did not even thought about it. I'll buy baskets. And one, and one after another of you just coming and saying, let me do this, let me get involved. And, and, and God was just blessing and bringing people together. And I go back to that time. You see, I've seen firsthand what the power of commitment to follow a vision and pursue a dream can, hap, can do. It can change the world, but more importantly, it can change you. You see, this is not just about establishing a church. This is about establishing you and changing you. Because you're on the journey. It's not a church on a journey. It's we're on a journey as individuals and people. And we have to grow in Christ's likeness and the struggles and the difficulties. And I so appreciate all your patience and coming and going and broadcasting in other theaters and doing crazy stuff, hauling trailers around. I mean, it's nuts. But God's doing something in you. And that's what's important. You see, the journey, sometimes people will say, well, I'm, I, I can't do that. It's just too long. It's too much work. It's too risky. You know, the, you know the sad thing about it is? Those are all true statements. The sad thing about it is the people that bail early, they miss out on what God's doing in their life. And they choose to go back and just find comfort. I'm telling you something. God never meant us for comfort. He meant us for crusade. He meant us for kingdom endeavors. He meant us to be men and women of God who stand in the face of the enemy and proclaim Jesus is adequate. See, a line of demarcation has been drawn in eternity. When we established a church, heaven smiled and hell frowned. And I love to make the devil mad. God has so much in store for men and women who will endure and who will see the future. If you've grown weary, if you've lost the edge, if you're feeling overwhelmed by the enemy, then it's time to take a stand for the Lord and for his kingdom. Rise up and be a generation that says no to the enemy and yes to God. Let me give you a couple of things you can do in coming back to God because all of us need to come back a little closer, amen? All of us have lost maybe a little bit in the, in the final run here. Here's a couple of things that came to my mind. First of all, return to your first love. Return to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm coming back to my first love. I want to love you like I loved you in the very first time I met you. I don't want my love to wane. I want it to grow. Secondly, renew your vows. What have you told God you would do? Do those things. Follow God. Say, I'm going to keep my vow to you, God. If I said I was going to follow you, if I said I was going to read Scripture, if I said I'm going to pray, I'm going to do those things. And then restore your confidence. That might seem odd to you, but let me show you the Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Sometimes in this world you get so drained. You go, I just, I just don't feel confident about anything. It says take it back. You see? Don't cast it away. You say, I just don't, I don't know, God, are you going to come through? No, take it back. God, I'm going to have confidence. Because here's what it says, which is great reward. There's reward in confidence. For you have need of endurance, so that, you, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You may receive the promise. Boy, endurance is a hard thing, isn't it? I remember one time I, I talked my mom into buying me some new cowboy boots. And I was going to day camp. I had no idea we were going to walk that day. Now, you know, cowboy boots aren't designed for walking. And I was about, you know, 100 pounds overweight for my frame with these little cowboy boots on that were too small. 
And I remember everybody was walking, and it was miles. It was a 20 or 30-mile journey, I'm sure. And I was dropping behind because I had those boots on, those stupid cowboy boots, you know, and I'm just walking those boots, and everybody's getting further and further ahead of me, and, and it's, it's just on a road. We're just walking on a, a gravel road in Colorado. And they're getting, they're just waiting, they're not waiting for me, the camp counselors, they don't care, leave the fat kid back there, you know, and, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, I, what do I do? I didn't know Jesus couldn't even pray for him to come back, so I, I'm just walking along, and all of a sudden a lady comes pulling up, and she rolls down her window, she said, are you all right? I thought, this is an opportunity. I said, no, ma'am, I'm not, I have a bad leg, these boots are killing me, and uh, she said, well, would you like a ride? I said, yes, ma'am, I would. I said, I don't know if it's really okay with them. She says, well, you get in the car and duck down. <laughs> and so we drove all past them, and I ducked down. And I said, I got up the road about 100 yards. I said, this will be fine. I got out. And they got up there, and everybody going, how did you get up? They didn't even see the car go by. God hid the car. <laughs> the promise of his presence. Let me give you this. Remember that cloud that followed them was called the, 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 the cloud or the pillar of cloud or the, the cloud of the Lord. I came across this article. I thought it was really interesting in the Tablet Magazine. It's a Jewish publication. It's, it was filled with Scripture and filled with interesting information. But here's the headlines. Here's what pillar of defense actually means. Israel last year, when they created this missile defense system, they, cl- they called it the pillar of defense, and they named it after the cloud that followed Israel in the wilderness. Here is a piece from that article. The Israel- Israeli missile defense campaign called it pillar of cloud. The Egyptians were located in the darkness and could see Israel. Located in the light. Did you hear that? It never really hit me until I read it that way. The pillar of fire was at night over Israel, and so it lit up the entire nation of Israel so all the enemies could see exactly where they were at night, but they could not do anything to them because they were protected by the pillar of cloud by night. And look what it's, look what, they were eating and drinking and rejoicing. And here's what this rabbi said. This is out of the Midrash, okay? They shot arrows and catapult stones at them, but the angel and the cloud caught them. This Jewish rabbi writing in the Midrash said this. He said, yes, they saw them eating and drinking. The light lit them up, and they shot arrows, and they threw stones at them, but the angel of God was just catching the stones and grabbing the arrows as they came. You see, that's what God does. He is a strong tower. We run into him and are secure. Don't be afraid when you hear fiery darts. God is grabbing them out of the air for you. He's protecting you. Exodus chapter 40, verse 38, For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day. The fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys, all your journeys. I don't care where you go. Don't worry if God's with you or not. He's with you. If you don't feel him, sense him, believe it, just say it anyway. God, you're with me. I know it. I just know you're with me. Philippians 1, 6. Here's what God says. Being confident of this very thing, who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God began in you, he's going to finish. You say, what if I fall? Well, Jude answers that. Jude chapter 1 and verse 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Whose job is it to keep you from stumbling? You see, you're bent on messing things up as a human, right? 
God says, I'm going to keep you from stumbling. Every time you start to stumble, I'm going to be there. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You know the presence of his glory? It's Jesus. You start to fall. You start to trip. God says, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And I'm going to present you one day without fault before Jesus. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. The presence of God. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's one. Where are you in the journey of your faith? Where are you at? You like the kid with the cowboy boots that are falling way behind and you need a ride? Spirit can launch you forward. Just trust him. Here's a question. Isn't it time? Isn't it time that you renewed your vow to God? Just say, God, I want to renew my vow to you. I want to follow you. I want to, all the days of my life, I want to be in your presence. I want to know your power. Maybe today is that day. Maybe today is that day that you just recommit yourself to God or you ask Jesus into your life, but today is the day. I want you to stand with me and pray, would you? Right now, as we just prepare our hearts to pray, I'm going to ask you to do something. Just uh, either symbolically or, or just physically actually do it. Just put your hands out in front of you. And just say, God... I bring you all that I have. I try to hold on to it. I try to manage it. I try to possess it. But I know, God, it slips through my fingers without notice sometimes. God, I have to come to the cross. And when I come to the cross, I have to give all this stuff up I have in my hands. So if you would just take your hands and turn them upside down right now and just let all that stuff fall to the ground. Because God can do more without your stuff than you can do with your stuff. With your hands just palms down, you're just saying to God, God, nothing in my hand I bring but to your cross I cling. Let the cross have its full effect in your life right now. It's what you die to, you know. You die to set in your own schedule. You die to set in your own agenda. You, set, you die to your goals, and you say, God, give me better ones. Give me a better agenda. Bless me more and more, God, I pray. Just commit it to God right now. Ask God to work right now in your heart as we sing.